This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. If you don't mind, why don't you just bow your heads with me just for a moment. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you for the awesome presence that we already feel. Thank you for the awesome worship that uh, the Promise Center praise team has ushered into this place. I feel you here. I know that you're here right now. And I'm just excited for what you are going to do over the next few moments in somebody's life and somebody's heart. I pray that you would open up our minds and our ears to your word and let, let your word go deep into our hearts. That we would remember this tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. I want you to take a moment and think about this question. And the question is simply this. What makes you happy? I want you to think about that. Let's just take, a, let's just take an awkward, you know, 30 seconds. It's really not that big of a deal. And I want you to think about this question. Actually, let's do this. I want you to turn to the person next to you and ask them the question and force them to give you a response. Just, 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 just stare at them until they give you a response. What makes you happy? I, I want to know this question. Let's, let's take the next few minutes and let's answer this question to the people next to you. Albert, what makes you happy? Art. Art. How about you? Jesus. That's a good one. That's, that's safe. Huh? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> All right. Has, has anybody not got an answer yet from somebody? Raise your hand if you have not got an answer yet. Over there? Right there? All right, it looks like everyone's kind of thought about it and, and forced an answer to the person next to you. I'm going to do something a little bit awkward, and this might be offensive to some of you, but I am going to actually tell you what makes you happy over the next few minutes. How many of you love being told what to do? <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are top of the class, cream, cream of the crop. If it's offensive to you to hear that somebody who you don't really know is about to tell you what makes you happy, I get it, I understand it. But I also want you to realize that every single day, every time that you log into your Facebook, every time that you go on the internet, every time that you turn on the TV or the radio, there are people who you don't know, who you've never met, that are making ads and commercials to tell you how to be happy and you don't ever say anything about it. So I'm not mad if you're mad at me. It's okay. I've already come here prepared to realize some people might find this offensive, and that's okay. I'm going to tell you what makes you happy. Is that all right with everybody? Who said no? <laughs> that's all right. See, I already, came, I already came prepared for that. I'm going to tell you over the next few minutes what makes you happy. And right out of the gate here, I want to, uh, I want to make a statement that I believe is the key to all happiness. It's the key to happiness, and it's a simple statement, and it is happiness is more about a who than a what. Let's all say this together. Happiness is more about a who than a what. Turn to the person next to you and tell them happiness is more about a who than a what. Turn to the person next to you on the other side and tell them the same thing. You know, and, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
the tendency, especially here in America, we are so used to this idea that stuff is going to make us happy. Uh, a new car, a new phone, new clothes, uh, a new girlfriend, a new boyfriend, like new is going to make us happy. Stuff, and specifically new stuff, is going to make us happy. But the problem with new, thinking that new is going to make us happy, is at some point new stops being new. At some point, new is no longer new. And if when something stops being new, it stops making you happy, you probably weren't actually happy in the first place. You were probably just being marketed to. You were probably just being told what you want to hear, what you think is going to make you happy. And we really all have experienced this. We've all been sucked into the vortex of big business. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but we can talk about this. But... Uh, We've all been primed and marketed to that every two years we are supposed to get what? A new phone. I, I, how come some of you already knew that? You, you're a 2000s kid. You don't even have a phone. <laughs> actually, he probably does have a phone. Like that's the difference between his generation and our generation. He probably actually does. Every two years, who would have thought, you know, rewind the clock 10 years, who would have thought that every two years we would be spending hundreds of dollars on a phone about this size that goes in our pocket that really controls our entire life? Who would have ever thunk that that was going to be the way that society uh, would go? But the truth is we get this new phone and we're super excited about it, especially the weeks leading up to it. We're really excited about this new phone. We get the new phone. We put it in like a big, huge, totally unpractical OtterBox Defender case with like, with like government level security and laser beams like holding that thing back. And it's perfect. It's in great shape. No one touches it. There's never a scratch, never a scuff. Nothing bad ever happens to that phone. And then about 10 months later, something happens. And Apple comes out with something new, and we are being marketed to that now our phone is not good enough, and if we don't upgrade, we're going to be left out, and now we're not going to be happy anymore. Because our phone doesn't have, what? The new features. It's not new anymore. And sure enough, that same phone that's been taken care of and never had a scratch on it, you can't even swipe up without getting glass splinters in your finger. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that's, that's what happens. That's the progression. And if something stops being new, if when it stops being new, it stops making you happy, you probably were not happy in the first place. Because happiness is more about a who than a what. Say it back. Happiness is more about a who than a what. There we go. All them 2000s kids. You can hear it in the voice, those 2000s boys. Love you guys. This is awesome. You know, this is actually something that most of us have already learned. This is one of the, it's actually one of the first life lessons that we learn as children. Because can you remember back to when you were three or four or five years old and you're playing in a backyard or you're playing in someone's bedroom and it really doesn't matter what you have as long as you're with the right who, as long as you're with a who, it really doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter if you have the, the coolest toys. It doesn't matter if your costume isn't actually Superman. It could be just a red, it could just be a red towel. And as long as you are with the right who, you could spend hours building mud pies and sandcastles. Does anybody remember those days? We realized that it's not about what we have as long as we were with the right who. And that carried us right into elementary school and right into junior high. And it didn't matter what we had as long as we were accepted by the right group of who's. Do you remember those days? It doesn't matter how cool we look. And sure, there, there might have been a little bit of pressure to have like 
for all you 2000s kids to have the Jansport backpack and, and to have like the right shoes. Um, you know, Skywalkers, you guys remember the Skywalker shoes? Those were like the skate ones, all these 2000s kids, you guys remember those? No? Keds, girls, Keds? Did you guys wear Keds? Did you guys have a caboodle by any chance? Caboodle. How many of you guys had pogs? How many of you don't even know what pogs are? <laughs> all right. Sure, there might have been a little bit of pressure to get some stuff, but at the end of the day, as long as, those, as long as the right who's accepted us, the stuff actually didn't even matter. Do you remember these days? And that, that carried us right into high school and right into college, and I remember when, when I was young, the ironic thing is the house that I always wanted to spend my time at was not the house with the Xbox and the swimming pool and the pool table and all of the greatest stuff and all of the coolest stuff. The house I wanted to spend my time at was the house that had the cool kids. The house that I wanted to spend my time at actually had zero cool things. It was like 700 square feet, and there was like seven people that lived in that house, and I was the happiest I could ever be. Why? Because it had the right who's. Because happiness is more about a who than a what. How many hopeless lovebirds do we have in this house? Don't be shy. If you're a hopeless lovebird, just go ahead. You guys are lying right now. I see one, two, three. Okay, there we go. They're, pop, they're slowly starting to pop up slowly starting to pop up. You hopeless lovebirds, maybe you're in this right now or maybe you're a little bit older and you remember your first love and it didn't matter that every Friday and Saturday you look into each other's eyes and say, what can we do that doesn't cost any money because we don't have anything? As long as I'm with the right who, I'm happy. Why? Because happiness is more about a than a you know, and the interesting thing about it is there is actually a thing that all happy people have in common. There is actually something that all happy people have in common, but it's not, it's not something that you can hold on to. It's not something that you can touch. It's not something you can just go to the store and buy. It's not something that you can just happen to get as much of it whenever you want. It's actually something that for some of us may sound a little bit too simple. For some of us, it may sound uh, a little ooey-gooey. For some of us guys, it may sound a little too feminine of an idea, but I promise you that that all happy people, when you look them in the eye, and it doesn't matter how bad their circumstances are, it doesn't matter what's going on in their life, they're just happy, they have this thing. Are you ready for it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> One more time, are you ready for it? Yeah. They have peace. Just give me a second here, and I'm going I'm to unpack this for a second. It, it's a, it is a what. Technically, is a what. But the what is associated with whose. It's not, a, it's not a what that you can hold on to, as I said. It's not a what that you can just happen to stumble upon and get more of it just whenever you have it. More specifically, happy people are at peace with themselves. Happy people are at peace with themselves, regardless of what's happening around them. You could see them, and life could literally be falling down around them. They could lose a job. They could lose their dog. They could, like, not be, uh, you know, having all of the greatest things. And you look around, and you say, it doesn't make sense. But when I look at you and when I talk to you, what do they say? I'm fine. I'm okay. Like, it, it, it's okay. Like, what is that? It's peace. And happy people have more than just peace with themselves. Happy people have peace with others. 
Happy people are at peace with themselves, and happy people are at peace with others. You don't know any happy people that are constantly at war with someone else. You don't know any happy people that are constantly surrounded with drama. You don't know any truly happy people that are constantly in the mix and constantly in the middle of a war with other people because that person doesn't exist. Happy people are at peace with themselves. Happy people are at peace with others. And oftentimes, happy people are also at peace with God. And I'm not going to say that all happy people are always at peace with God. I realize that it can be two out of three. But majority of the time, most of the time, happy people are at peace with God. And it might not always be the same God if you're a Christian that you and I grew up with. But at least it's this idea that there is something bigger and better out there, that there is something bigger than me. And at the end of the day, everything is going to be fine. They're at peace. Peace with God themselves, peace with others, and peace with God. And if you're Christian, uh, and even if you're not Christian, I want to talk to maybe a, a handful of people or more that may, maybe you're not Christian, and that's okay. That's all right. I see some, two hands from one person raising up back there. This is awesome. I love it. Uh, that's okay. One thing that I want to introduce, and maybe you're Christian, you grew up in church, and you don't even realize this. So I'm not even not talking about all the people that maybe aren't Christians. I'm talking about some Christians that maybe even haven't digested this yet yourself. That one of Jesus' core teachings is this idea about peace with God, peace with themselves, and peace with others. It's all about peace. And this idea that Christians have really stumbled across, or Christ followers have really stumbled across, is that peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves, and ultimately equips us to make peace with others. That when we are at peace with God, it brings peace to ourselves, because something happens when the creator-creation relationship falls into sync, something happens on the inside of us. What is it? It's peace. It's peace with ourselves. And once we're at peace with ourselves, we are now equipped to go make peace with other people. Because you don't know any people that go out of their way to make their wrongs right if they're not at peace with themselves. You know, as a, as a pastor, I've, over the years, I have seen countless people that come out of heavy addiction or come out of heavy issues, uh, major problems in their, in their younger days or, or maybe in, in adulthood. And when they finally are at peace with themselves, something always naturally follows. And what is it? They go back and they try to be at peace with the people that they wronged in their past. Because when we are at peace with God and when we are finally at peace with ourselves, we are now equipped to go make peace with the people that we've wronged. And, you know, we, uh, Jesus actually taught this. One day, as so often happened, Jesus was teaching and a group of people come up and they begin to ask him questions. And Jesus, as he often did, he entertained their questions, he responded to their questions. But today was unique because today was an extremely profound question. And I should say it's actually an extremely profound answer that Jesus gave back to this question. And the setting is Jesus is teaching and a lawyer comes up to him and he says, hey, I just want to know what is God's favorite command or what is the most important command in all of scripture? 
And when we think of command, we think of the Ten Commandments, right? We think of thou shalt, thou shalt not. We think of a list of do's. We think of a list of don'ts. We think of a, a bunch of things we should and shouldn't do. We think of all the places we can and cannot go. This is the way that our brains work when we think of the greatest command. And this is exactly what the lawyer was expecting from Jesus. So as we go into the scripture, I want you to view Jesus' response and what he said back to the lawyer through the lens of what we've just discussed, and that is happy people are at peace with God, peace with themselves, and peace with others. The man says, Jesus, what is the greatest command? And Jesus replied, love. He said, wait, 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 Jesus, you, you didn't hear what I was saying. I said, you know, what's the greatest command? Like do's and don'ts and thou shalt not. He said, no, no, love. He said, Jesus, you, I, I don't think you're understanding. Like, like, I want a commandment. I want something that I cannot do. Or I want something that I have to do. And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, I, I understood the question. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What Jesus is saying is, because God loves you, because God loves you, I want you to love God back. The greatest thing that you could ever do is love God back. And because God loves you, he wants to make peace with you. His whole point of coming onto this earth was to make a way for peace for you and for me in spite of all of our problems and all of our issues because he made a way to make peace with you and you love God because he loves you. You need to make peace with God. But the amazing part is he didn't stop there. As many of you know, it continues on. It goes on and it says this is the first and the greatest command and the second is like it, which is to say you can't do the first without doing the second. You, and you can't do the second without doing the first. They are co-equal. You have to have both. It's a package deal. Because God loves you, you need to make peace with God. And when you make peace with God, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is make peace with God, and that will give you peace with yourself. And when you're at peace with God and with yourself, you can go make peace with other people. You see, but this is actually contrary to what we, what we really think a lot of times. How many of you have ever, oh, never mind, I'm not going to ask this question. I thought at one time, and I know most of you, if not all of you, thought this, that God was in the way of my happiness, that God was in the way of my happiness. And this is maybe the reason why some of you have left God, maybe for the reason why some of you have never accepted God, maybe for the reason that some of you that grew up in church, you sit on the back row now because you're just not sure, because at the end of the day, you think that God is in the way of your happiness. But Jesus' response to the lawyer shows us that number one, we're created in the image of God. We see that as the, out, from the outset of scripture, we're created in the image of God. Do we really think that God is just up there just like depressed all the time? We really think that God is, is just mad all the time and constantly at war? No, God manifest himself in the flesh, came down and died on a cross just to make peace with people who most of them wouldn't even wanna make peace with him back. He went out of his way, bent over backwards to make peace with us. So what Jesus is simply saying is, I, I actually want you to be at peace with us. I want you to be happy. I've created you with the capacity for happiness, and it's absolutely not in my plan for you to be miserable every day. How many of you like being miserable every day? No hands on that one. That's awesome. I was, I was scared there. I might, might have got one. 
See, so we think that God is in the way of happiness, but actually God provides the way to happiness. He said the most greatest command, the greatest thing that you can do on this earth ultimately leads to your happiness. The greatest thing that you could do on this earth ultimately leads to your happiness. And the issue is anything that undermines your peace ultimately undermines your happiness. Which is to say, any time that you are about to do something, or you're about to make a decision, or you're about to say something, and somewhere deep down inside you're like, I don't know, you are about to potentially undermine your happiness. Because anything that undermines your peace in your heart ultimately undermines your happiness. And again, we, always, we consistently think of God as being in the way of our happiness, but God actually provides the way to our happiness through this instruction, through this greatest command. The result of fulfilling this great command is our happiness. And anything that undermines our peace undermines our happiness. And so this leads us to this next awkward downer. This is a downer, this word right here. Can we all say it together, one, two, three. Sin, Ugh. one more time, Ugh. sin, Ugh. sin, Ugh. sin. And here's the thing with sin. Sin separates. And this is actually not as moral of a thing as you might think it is. It actually has much more of an everyday practical uh, definition to it than you might realize. Because I want you to think back to your last relational conflict with somebody. Whether it be a friend at school, whether it be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a mom, a dad, a boss, a coworker, uh, a cousin, uh, a teacher. It doesn't really matter. Somebody, the last time you had a conflict, somebody sinned. Somebody did something wrong. Here, and let me just take a step back. I want you to define sin just for the next few minutes like this. If you're a Christian, you're going to use the New Testament. If you are Jewish, you are going to use the Old Testament. And if you're Christian, potentially use a little bit of each. It's fine. Just for the next few minutes, if you're of another religion, another faith, another background, just for the next few minutes, define it by your holy text. If you are atheist, or uh, that, that's fine too. I just want you to define sin as something that you think no one should ever do or something that you think you should never do, but sometimes you've done it anyways. Or if you're in that, that last category, maybe you have a sister, or maybe you have a niece, or maybe you have a brother, and just think about something that you don't think anybody should ever do to them, the way that you would never want someone to treat your sister, the way you would never want someone to treat your niece, and then don't think if you've actually ever done that yourself. I'm, that's sin. That's how we will define sin. It's the thing that you think no one should ever do. The problem is we, none of us, fulfill our own standards. None of us can ever be 100% to our standard, ever. If, you, you, if you're going to say that you have never done something that you don't think anyone else should do, you're lying to yourself because we've all done something that we think is wrong. And so going back to our relational conflict, at some point somebody did something that you think they shouldn't have done, and the irony of it is each party thinks the other one started it. Each party think the, thinks the other one is the one that sinned first. Well, it doesn't matter. Maybe they started it, but then you sinned this much, and then they sinned this much, and then they sinned this much. And the next thing you know, it doesn't even matter what actually happened because the relationship is done. You're not friends anymore. You don't talk to each other. When you see them in the room, you walk to the other side. 
We've all been there. We know what this is like. What, what literally happened is sin separated the relationship. Sin separates us. Sin separates us. Sin separates us from others. And sin separates us from God. And the reason why sin separates us from God is not as mystical and, and, and as moral, again, as you might think it is. The reason why sin separates us from God is because when you sin against somebody else, you hurt somebody who God loves. Most of the New Testament is about peace with other people. It's about maintaining peace or preventing you from not being at peace with other people. People, because when you sin against somebody else, you hurt someone that God loves. And maybe it's just because I'm a dad now, but it does not matter to me what you say to me if you've hurt my kid. It really doesn't matter. There's actually nothing that I hate worse than people that back talk or you know backbite my wife or my kids, and then when they see me, they want to be my best friend. You know what this is like. Come on. You guys know what this is like at school. You have a friend. You have a boyfriend. You have a girlfriend, a family member, whatever it is. There is nothing worse than somebody that has hurt a loved one of mine that wants to act like everything is fine with me. This is the issue. When we hurt somebody else, when we sin against somebody else, when we lie, when we hurt them, when we do something that is a sin, we hurt somebody that God loves, and I can't be okay with God as long as I'm not okay with someone that God loves. Sin separates us from others. Sin separates us from God. And this is really the worst one of all. At the end of the day, Sin separates you from yourself. At the end of the day, sin separates you not just from someone else, not just from God, but it eventually separates you from yourself. How many of you have ever been in one of those moments where you actually realized that you did something wrong and you were too prideful to go back and fix it so you actually just didn't go somewhere or you avoided the situation altogether? What is that? That is that is a war that begins to rage on inside of ourselves. That's anxiety that's inside of us. That is us realizing that we messed up and we don't want to deal with it. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, if I ever did that, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. If I ever did that, or, or maybe I did this and I just can't look at myself in the mirror. Have you ever been there? I've actually been there myself. Done something where I honestly don't even want to look at myself in the mirror. So what do we do as humans? Most of the time, if we're not at peace with ourselves, or we're not at peace with God, and we're not at peace with other people, what do we do? Our response is to act like everything is fine, and we build up these layers, and we harden our hearts, and next thing we know, we are completely disconnected from our conscience. Because sin doesn't stop with the person you hurt. It separates you from God, and eventually it brings you turmoil within yourself. You're no longer at peace even in your own skin. And here's the deal. And we're actually going to wrap this up here tonight. Here's the deal. Jesus, he told us the most important thing that you can do is to love God. Because when you love God, God wants to make peace with you. And because God loves you and you love God, you can be at peace with God. And the promise is when you make peace with God, you can now be at peace with yourself. This is the invitation to all of us.
And it doesn't matter if you, if you grew up in church. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian. It really doesn't matter what your background is. We've all been in this scenario ourselves. Whether we be at, at war with a friend or an enemy for that matter, or a friend turned enemy, a frenemy. It really doesn't matter what the context is. We've all experienced this. And maybe you're experiencing this right now. Or maybe you just want to be happy. You want to know how you fit in the category of not knowing what makes you happy? Because I guarantee you most of us in this room actually don't know what makes us happy. That's why I said I'm going to tell you what makes you happy. The way that you know that you don't know what makes you happy is when you keep trying to be happy and you're still not happy. I, I, I don't want this to just float right over our heads because... I've been there myself. I grew up in church. Uh, I've been in ministry for uh, over 12 years now. And even me, there's been times that I chase happiness. And at the end of the day, when you realize that you're still not happy, for me, every time I realize I'm not even at peace with myself. And if I'm not at peace with myself, I'm not going to be at peace with God. And if I'm not at peace with God, I'm I'm not going to go out of my way to bend over backwards to make peace with the person that I wronged. You know, there was a scripture, uh, musicians, you can come. There was a scripture, Jesus, uh, he, was, he was teaching again, and he said, he said, if you want to come to church, if you want to come to the temple and you want to make a sacrifice, you want to worship me, or you want to do your Christian duty, you want to, you know, you want to be at peace with me. That's great. You come to church, and that, that's great. But if you realize that your brother has something against you, or the person across the street has something against you, or you've done something wrong to somebody else, today we'd think, oh, well, we just act like everything's fine. No, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, leave your offering at the temple and go fix the problem that you caused. Which is to say, we'll, we're going to be fine if you go do this, but if you don't go do this, it's going to be Vain repetition. It's just going to be you clapping your hands and, and on the outside, you might fool everybody else, but you've hurt someone that I love. And as long as you've hurt someone that I love and you don't go and fix it, me and you are not fine. And we think that if we just, we just repent enough times privately in the altar on Sunday or on Friday night, uh, everything's going to be fine. Because now I, I apologize to God, and so I'm good. But the person sitting three rows behind you and to the left is still damaged by what you did to them. You see, th- we cannot be at peace with God when we're at war with the person next to us. And so in, in, in closing, I just want to, I'm going to have you all stand. Why don't we stand to our feet? And I want you to just close your eyes. I'm just going to ask this question. Do you want peace? Do you you want peace? Do you want happiness? I think when the rubber meets the road, when it's all said and done, this this is what we all strive for. Because as humans, we're really all on a happiness quest. The pursuit of happiness. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. We just want to be happy, and we will go to extraordinary lengths to be happy or to be comfortable. 
So I realize this is a loaded question. Of course you want to be at peace. Of course you want to be happy. Nobody likes laying down at night, feeling that anxiety and realizing, I don't even want to wake up in my own skin tomorrow. But how many of us have been there before? I'm going to ask you this. I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head. And, and if this is the kind of life that you want, I just want you to imagine just for a minute before, before we, we close here. I just want you to imagine for a minute what your life would be like if you were at peace with the people around you. If you were at peace with God. And when you lay your head down at night, you just have this sigh of relief. <sighs> I'm fine. I'm good. I have peace my heart. Can you imagine what life would be like? Can you imagine what kind of pep you would have in your step every morning when you wake up? This is the invitation that Jesus gives to each one of us. This is the hand that Jesus extends to each one of us. He says, if you want to be happy, if you want to be at peace, here's what you do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you can do this, you'll be happy. So I wanna ask you this question with your eyes closed and your head bowed just for a minute. I wanna ask you this question, do you want peace? And if you want peace, you wanna be happy, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want you to just raise your hand. There's hands going up all over this place, all over the place right now, people, are raising their hands. People want to be happy. This is beautiful. I, I love this. You can put your hands down. I, we're going to, in just a few minutes, the praise team is going to come back and they're going to lead us in one more song tonight. But if you want to be happy, I want you to take a few moments and just begin to make peace with God. And if you don't know how to do that, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't, you don't know how to do that. It starts with the two hardest words that anyone could ever say I'm sorry. That's how it starts, and that's how it finishes. Because once you've made peace with God, you'll have peace with yourself, and he expects us to go and say those same words to the person that's hurt us. And there's one other angle on this. Maybe something has happened to you. You weren't the one that did it to somebody else, but somebody sinned against you. People that are at peace with God and at peace with others and at peace with themselves they're able to move past the hurt. And let me tell you, the hurt is real. The hurt is real. And you don't know what the person sitting right next to you is experiencing, what kind of hurt that they've gone through and what kind of hurt they might be in right now. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's pretty amazing what he expects of people because he says if you've hurt somebody else, it's your responsibility to go back and fix it. He's there defending the one who's been hurt, even if they don't believe in him. So I want to just tell you, if you've been the one who's been victimized, even if you're not sure about your relationship with God, at the end of the day, he defends you. At the end of the day, he is for you because he's a good father. He takes care of his people. He defends us when others hurt us. And he's on your side. In closing, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity tonight. I thank you for the, all these young people that are here. 
Lord, I feel like you're doing something in somebody's heart today. I don't know if, if someone's, someone's been hurt and someone just needs to realize that they're gonna be okay. You are going to take care of them. And yes, that person has hurt me, God, but you are for me. And if you are for me, then who can stand against me? Maybe there's somebody in this room that really needs to go and fix some damage that they've done to someone who you love. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be happy. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to take this message and to do something with it tomorrow. That you would allow us to take this message and not just think, oh, that was cool, that was a great idea, oh, that sounded nice. But to take it and put our hands on it and apply it to our life every single day. Because this is the key to our happiness. This is the key to being happy, and that is peace. And Lord, I pray peace over every person that's in this place here tonight. I pray that your spirit would move over our hearts, over our minds, and over our souls, and that you would give us the strength, that you would give us your comfort, that you would give us peace. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are for us. That you are good. For more information about who we are, we invite you to go to thepromisecenter.com. God bless you.